Hello beautiful souls, my name is Renata Sofia Munna. I'm the host of this show. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Today will be all about my 10 day silence retreat, also called Vipassana silence retreat. And for those of you who don't know me, maybe the first time here listening to this show, um, welcome first of all and second um, so I'm a soulful podcast mentor I'm helping entrepreneurs to launch their podcast um, and I'm a healer as well I'm an energy healer I'm an international best-selling author of the beautiful book Isis Mother of Magic um, I was a co-author in this book and I'm helping women. It is really my soul's mission to help as many women as possible to find their true, unique expression, self-expression, to find their voice to, so they can speak their truth and unleash their message to this world because we need more women who are not afraid of speaking up, who are not afraid of speaking their own truth. So today's episode will be all about my Vipassana experience. So I went to the Vipassana, uh, I think it was end of June, 29th of June, so it's already quite a long time ago. Um, it's now mid of August. So um, it took me a long time actually, like I had a really long integration time um, and I really needed to integrate every list every lesson, every insight that I received in this Vipassana retreat because every day I experienced a breakthrough, uh, every day I had another insight, every day I learned another lesson and it was truly amazing. So for those of you who don't know the Vipassana 10-day retreat, um, in these 10 days we were not allowed to talk. So they called it noble silence. We were not allowed to talk at all, um, which is really strange, of course. Um, so people who know me, I love to talk. And um, even my partner said to me, oh, Renata, that will be really challenging for you. Um, and I was actually really looking forward. I was so looking forward to not talking for 10 days and just turning inward. And even before I went to the 10-day Vipassana retreat, so many coincidences happened in my life, so many synchronicities. And I saw the number 333 all over. So if you maybe also listen to my other podcast episode um, where we got flooded in while I was in a rainforest retreat, I think that was the episode before mm. and why challenges are so crucial for your own personal growth. Um, I was also seeing the number 333 all over and it actually means spiritual ascension. It means spiritual growth, spiritual awakening. So I was really nervous and excited at the same time before I went to my Vipassana retreat because I had the feeling it will be life-changing. It will be so transformative and it was. It definitely was and I can't even, I can't even tell you um, 
how grateful I was for this experience because I think a lot of people can't really experience this um, because you know you you have to have the time you know 10 days off and so many people are applying nowadays for a Vipassana retreat because it's donation based so you don't actually have to pay anything for the whole retreat but of course donations are welcome at the end of the retreat so it is kind of easy I would say and also you know you, you just have to apply but there's a waiting list so I was on a waiting list but I got accepted really quickly and I went to my Vipassana retreat here in South Australia in Clare so um, yeah we were not allowed to talk for 10 days no silence no speaking not even eye contact no body language you know we were not allowed to journal not really allowed to do yoga i mean we didn't have any facilities to do yoga and that was actually the hardest part for me that i couldn't do any real exercise and i love exercise i love you know doing yoga every day i'm a yoga teacher so of course i love I love feeling my body um but I was so ready I was really so ready to do this and I was so looking forward as well um to not talking for 10 days um so I went on this Vipassana retreat not really knowing what will happen in these 10 days right and just what I knew before and um, we will meditate basically the whole day um and part of me was like, oh yeah, easy, because I'm already an experienced meditator. I've already meditated for a couple of years. Um, I'm already, you know, like I'm doing a lot of spiritual practices. So I thought it wouldn't be really a problem for me. <laughs> um, but oh well. Uh, little did I know that it will be uh, challenging as fuck. <laughs> I would say um and oh, so hard so um we arrived on the 29th of june and on the first day um so you know you, you should arrive in the afternoon so you're still allowed to talk to everyone so i um talked to a few people beforehand um and then the noble silence started at 8 p.m and it was really strange so a lot of <laughs> a lot of women from my group we were actually just women by the way the whole vipassana we were just women and we were like i think we were like 10 or 15 women all in all and that was really nice group size um but yeah it is really strange you know when a lot of women together and suddenly we have to stop talking <laughs> and not even eye contact and I love to smile at people I love to look at people so it was also strange for me but eventually you do get used to it so um yeah the noble silence started at 8 p.m and then you know we just listened to a chant from one of the teachers who taught Vipassana and who brought Vipassana to the West and his name is um Gönke Gunka, I think, S and Gunka. And I think he actually died a couple of years ago, as far as I know. Mm. So we just listened to a chant and we meditated, I think, for an hour. And then at 9 pm, um, we were going to our rooms. So we had really basic 
basic rooms and we were all in the same house so every room was next to each other and the room was separated with like a not even a proper wall um you know just like a you know like a plastic wall basically and um, but we couldn't really see each other which was good and um, but yeah it was super small super basic i had a basic a basic bed and i had my sleeping bag so you have to bring your sleeping bag with you um and yeah so anyway i i kind of was also looking forward to a simple living but of course when you when you're so used you know in the western world we're so used of having all the things available and having a proper bed and um having heaters and the thing was nothing one of the hardest things was really that it, it was cold <laughs> It was so cold. It was middle in winter when I went there and luckily my sleeping bag was super warm but <laughs> it was so cold at night um, and I was so grateful that I took some of my blankets with me and that I had warm clothes but I think next time I will I will take even more warmer clothes because it it was almost not enough like I, I had so many layers on one day I think four four or five layers because I was so freezing um but the main hall where you meditated do have a heater there um but in general the facilities um as I said before were really basic so the kitchen was super small and um, in the kitchen um, so we didn't have really a big table where everyone sat on so it was more like that we were looking outside so we we kind of like everyone was facing the window or the wall and so we were either facing the wall or the window <laughs> um, and so you, you, you couldn't look at each other right so and that helps actually with not having any eye contact <laughs> um, but um, yeah, in the main hall was pretty basic too. They provided some cushions and some blankets, but you know, luckily I brought my own blankets because I was sometimes really cold even in the main hall. Um, and yeah, the surroundings were really nice. So we were out in nature, and it was so peaceful there. It was, it was, it was so peaceful, and you couldn't, you couldn't hear much. You couldn't hear any cars from anywhere. And Claire is really out of the way. It's really far away from Adelaide, the main city. Um, so you know, you you couldn't you couldn't hear any traffic. Um and that was that was pretty amazing. Um and yeah, so the schedule <laughs> the schedule. Yeah, I will talk a little bit after about the schedule and um, how our days looked like. So um, on day one, um, or on every day, we should wake up around you know four o'clock at four thirty. The meditation starts. The med meditation goes for two hours, and then at six thirty, there's breakfast for I think one and a half hours. We have you know break we can eat breakfast we can go for a walk or we can go back to bed and it's what I usually did because you know 6 30 it was still dark in winter and when I was finishing my breakfast it was like seven o'clock so I went back to my room and I was just <laughs> sleeping for another hour or I tried to sleep for another hour because 
you know, you're just so tired when you wake up every day for at 4.30 and you're not used to it. Your body really needs to get used to it. Um, so at 8 o'clock, there's another meditation for an hour. Then there's a five-minute break. So usually we meditated for an hour and then we had like five-minute break and then we should come back to the main hall. Um, but um, I think, yeah, before lunch and also in the afternoon, we had the option to go back to our room to meditate there for an hour or so. Um, so I also did that. So after my meditation from eight to nine, I went back to my room a lot of times and um, I meditated there. And that at 11 o'clock, there was lunch. So super early lunch actually, but then we had break for two hours, which was really nice. Um, and the lunch was always the best thing. I was always so looking forward to lunch because I love food. <laughs> I love food. For So for those of you who also know me really well, I love food so, so much. Um, so I was always looking forward to, to lunch. Um, and they had amazing food they're really healthy vegetarian vegan so I'm a vegan um occasionally I did eat some eggs in my past but um yeah I I eat mostly vegan now and yeah so that was amazing and even gluten-free so I'm a gluten-free as well gluten-free intolerant so um that is that that was really handy um, yeah, so then we had like two hours break and usually in my breaks I always went out in nature because, you know, the nature there was so peaceful and we could go for a little walk every day and I did that every day. So uh, you could go up on a hill and you had a view over the whole valley, which was amazing and the sunsets and um, even in the early morning, the mist was amazing and all the birds were singing in the morning early in the morning were also singing when the sunset was and that was that was so cool because it was like a re returning back to nature returning back to our true um true essence so um i really reconnected so much with nature while i was there um so yeah let's go back to the schedule so then at 1 p.m um there was another group meditation in the hall there was for an hour then we had like five minute break um and then we had also the opportunity to go back to our rooms till um i think for a couple of hours actually i think for like two two or three hours we could meditate back at our room or we could meditate in the meditation hall that was up to us um, and then at 5 p.m. there was dinner. Um, and, you know, for new students, um, we just get fruit. So we just got two fruit um, every night. And, of course, you might think, oh, that's not enough food. But a lot of times I was so filled up from my lunch that I didn't even need my dinner. And I was really happy about having really light fruit in the evening and the old students so if you already done the Vipassana retreat you're officially an old student when you go back to another Vipassana retreat you won't get any dinner so you just get like a ginger and lemon tea and that's it <laughs> that's it that's all you get um so you know I was still really grateful that um I received my dinner <laughs> every every night <laughs> 
but it was it was a bit naughty from all the servers or so all the people who was who were working in the kitchen they were cooking their food around our dinner time and I was I was like oh no I want proper food and I was sometimes smelling really nice dal or rice and I was like oh why are they cooking right now this is so naughty <laughs> and so yeah be prepared be prepared to maybe get hungry but you're actually also not allowed to take any food with you so yeah um, and then at 6 p.m., so you just have a really short break. Um, at 6 p.m., there's another group meditation in the hall um, till 7 o'clock. Then you have a five-minute break um, and then return back to the hall. Um, I think around that time, I think around 7 or quarter past 7, um, we had always a discourse. So there was always like an hour of... Um, um, a lesson from Gönka from the teacher uh, and that is that was really good because it broke up the evening as well so it was also not super super long um, and then after that teaching I think it was around 8 8.15 or so um we did another meditation but only for 45 minutes and always the last meditation of the day went always so quick um although part of me was like you know i'm just like so tired i really want to go to bed and why do we meditate now but i do have to say um the evening meditations were always really really good um especially after sunset and yeah before bed i um I went quite deep there and also it did affect your sleep so you you slept much much better and every night I slept so um I was also really grateful that I I was able to sleep because I think a lot of people you know they can't fall asleep really early um and they you know they struggle to get up early and stuff but eventually I got used to it um and I'm, I'm sure if you would do it, you would definitely get used to it too. Um, you would be really surprised what you can do <laughs> in 10 days. Mm. So yeah, this was the overall schedule. So as you can see, you still had time to go out in nature. Um, and also with the silence. Um, mm, so I think it was day 10. On day 10, the silence gets, um, the the noble silence get, um, how do you say, um, it's finishing. So on day 10, um, you still do meditation for I think three hours or so a day. Um, but at 10 a.m. they break the silence, which was really strange for me, I have to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, then you have the opportunity to talk to everyone again. Um, and yeah, for me, that was, that was really strange. And I was also feeling really emotional because I got so used of not talking and I enjoyed it so much. I enjoyed it not, not needing to talk, not needing to express myself. And yeah, I, I was really surprised that I was really sad when the silence stopped. 
because I felt like now nah, I want to be in this state for much much longer but also they do that on purpose so when you go back to society when you go back to your normal life you won't just you know you won't struggle really <laughs> because you know if you would go back um still in your noble silence into you know back to your partner to your family to your kids it will be really strange for you and a bit overwhelming i think so that's why they did that and um yeah so they're breaking the silence and then i think we we did actually talk for a long long time i remember it was lunchtime and everyone was just like talking you know every woman was like blah 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 and <laughs> um but it was also nice to talk about our own experience and it was also nice to say that we all experienced really similar things and we were all kind of in the same boat um and that is really interesting because if you think about you know 15 people in a passionate retreat having sometimes the same experiences you must think like oh okay um that actually is a sign that we're all connected and after a while i could feel other people's energies so much in my field in my body and especially if you're highly sensitive as me um then wow you you can just feel the whole group and also you you can feel the whole group progressing uh, with their meditations as well. So um, now I want to talk about what I, you know, my aha moments, my insights of the whole thing. And um, I will also talk about, you know, at the beginning, uh, so like kind of every day, because I still remember, you know, every day was, every day was different. So on the first day, <laughs> I actually had my period on my first day, um, which which made everything really tricky because I was in a bit of pain. So uh, my stomach was hurting. Um, you know, I was bleeding the whole day. I had a big headache, I think, for the first couple of days. Um, and I think that was also because of my period, because I was losing blood and stuff like that. Um, and it was also new moon. So as you can see, a lot of things came together there. <laughs> and I was, I was invited to let go. I was invited to shed the old layers of my ego and letting go of my old identity and really stepping into a new version of me. And um, yeah, so the first day I was struggling so much and I was actually thinking in the first day, uh, should I maybe, you know, should I maybe just <laughs> drop out? Um, and the funny thing is, when I talked with everyone after the silence was, uh, was, has stopped, everyone said the same. Everyone said, wow, okay, I actually wanted to drop out because it was way too hard. And it felt, it felt so hard because, you know, just, it is so much mental energy, so much mental energy goes into meditating and um, so much mental energy goes into, you know, trying to focus your intention for like 10 hours a day inwards. Like this is... <laughs> 
<laughs> like a lot of people would think this is insane and at some point I actually thought this is kind of insane like who would actually do that like I'm I'm not you know I'm not Buddha <laughs> I'm not enlightened yet. Um, so why should I um why should I do this? Why should I struggle so much? Um but then after one day, you know, day one was like, oh oh my god, was just struggle. But I also have to say on day one, um I went really deep. I remember that and that I think my afternoon meditation was so deep. I went out of the meditation outside in nature and I was like wow I couldn't even look up to the sky because the whole energy was up in my head and I was like I was so aware I was so present and I was like wow okay I think this is samadhi or this was like one of the first stages of samadhi um, but the funny thing is I never went back to this really, really, really deep state. So I think it was that deep because I I had my cycle on that day. It was new moon, so the energies were really, really high and I was super sensitive. When I'm when I'm bleeding, my meditations are so freaking deep. They're so freaking deep. Um so oh my goodness. <laughs> Um, it was, oh my god, um, yeah, uh, well, I can't, well, I can't even describe it, it was out of this world, so I think that's also why I kept going, because I had glimpses of samadhi, so for those of you who don't know samadhi, samadhi is focus basically I think that's what it's translated from transcript from um, Indian transcript and I think it means focus um but Samadhi fe like feels to me like total bliss absolute freedom absolute sovereignty in my body and it it just is like wow you, you you really have to experience it yourself. It's like you're liberated from any suffering, from any pain for, you know, a couple of minutes when you feel the samadhi. So it really comes and goes, the samadhi. Um, so on day two, um, you know, it got a bit better, but then I was asking them, hey, can I get actually a chair? Because I had, um, I had an accident, a car accident, a couple of years ago when I was in New Zealand and I got hit by a bus. So I, I can't even remember what really happened in that accident anymore. Um, but I just remember I was waking up in a hospital and all of my friends were just looking at me and just like being so shocked and I was just asking them, eh, what happened? <laughs> what happened? Um, yeah. And I was crying over my trouser because my trouser got destroyed and it was one of my favorite trousers from H&M. So I was, <laughs> I was really sad about that, but I wasn't really sad about what happened to me, which was a bit weird, but oh well, there was definitely a trauma stored in my body. So when I was sitting for long periods of time, so when I was sitting for a long time in the, uh, during the meditation, um, I got headaches and I, you know, my whole back started to, 
to have a lot of pain so I was asking for a chair and if you do have an injury if you have like a medical condition you're allowed to have a chair or to even lean on the wall lean against the wall so that's what I did um, and of course that really helped me but I I was um, trying to still sit without a chair sometimes so so I can still sit on the ground because I like sitting on the ground and if my pain got too strong I was sitting on the chair so there was definitely a bonus <laughs> and I think that's also why I was like okay I would definitely stay now because I have a chair <laughs> so if you're really struggling and if you have a medical condition you can ask for a chair or lean against the wall if you do really really struggle and I know that so many people struggled but um, because they didn't have really a medical condition they they were not allowed to get a chair, unfortunately, but they still, you know, they persisted and they they kept going, although, you know, so many of us want to drop out. And I think one one girl actually dropped out after day one. Um, yeah, I think it was a bit too hard for her. So also in the first three days, um, we were just focusing on our breath. So we we didn't learn the proper Vipassana meditation yet. So we were just focusing on our breath. So in-going breath, outgoing breath the whole time. And that was really hard um, because, you know, my mind, my mind was wandering sometimes. And this just happens when you're not really training your mind. Um, so you always kind of have to come back to it. And by training your mind, it is like a muscle you know you're, you're training a muscle to focus and by doing that we were purifying also our mind um so day two got better day three was pretty amazing i remember and also day four so on day four we learned the vipassana meditation but already on day four i was having a really deep samadhi so i was going out in nature i was looking around in nature and i was like Oh my God, I was so present, um, like never before in my life, I would say, uh, which is a bit sad, to be honest. And I think most of us humans, we're not really there when we're in nature. I think when we spend a lot of time in nature um, and when we're grounded, when we do a lot of spiritual practices and then we go out in nature, um, we can feel the vibration of we can feel the energies of the plants and we can we can really see the the little things in nature but i think when we're so busy in our mind and um, we don't really see the small little things and we miss them which is you know which is a bit sad but that's why it's so important to really train our mind and that's why it's so important to always come back to your center and to reconnect with your soul's truth, with your soul's essence and remember who you truly are on a soul level. Mm. So yeah, day four, oh my god, it was amazing. I had, I had also these really big insights about my life. So um, I think one time I was sitting in nature, I was leaning against a tree and you know, everything was so simple. Everything was so simple and I was, I, I got reminded, I got a huge reminder of that I want to live simply. I want to have a simple life and I don't want to have this busy life, this constant, 
um, stimulation from the outside world, this constant stimulation from social media. And I, I just decided in my retreat on day four, I want to have a simple lifestyle. And I'm really done, um, you know, overworking myself in my business or I'm, I'm done like doing too much. I'm, I'm craving a simple lifestyle because I realized during this retreat, because, you know, we were sitting so much and um, there was just not really much to do, right? So um, you also had to give away your phone for the whole 10 days period, which was really nice to not be able to look at your phone for 10 days. Um, so yeah, we, we were not really able to communicate with everyone, right? We were just in our mind the whole day. We were just, you know, with ourselves the whole time. And I, you know, I was, as I said, I just loved the simple lifestyle. I love simplicity. And because everything was so simple and we had such a structure in our day, you know, there there was just not that much to do. So I was really dropping like all my, I was really, I, I was so grounding. I was so grounded. I felt so stable within myself that I, you know, I didn't need anything from the outside world anymore, which was really amazing because sometimes we feel like we have to find fulfillment, we need to find um, freedom outside of us, so uh, we're trying to control our um, environment our circumstances and um, but I've experienced in this Vipassana what true freedom true liberation really really means and true liberation is only experienced through your own body no one else can actually do the work for you 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 gotta do the work only you can experience that only you can feel only you can experience what it really feels like to 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 feel sovereign in your own being and to feel so fulfilled and to feel this bliss and this peace but also to learn to be not that attached to this bliss feeling, to be not that attached to the samadhis. And that's what I that's what I really, really learned as well in in my first days of the Vipassana, because that's what also the teacher was talking about um, the whole time. To not even get attached to the blissful feelings. And to also not get getting attached to all the misery that you're creating in your life, to all the pain, and to getting really detached from everything outside of you and to also remind yourself and this is this is something that um is happening in nature the the law if the law the law of impermanence anicca they called it everything is impermanent in life so when you look at nature, everything is impermanent. Everything is in constant change, in constant change mode. So nothing is forever. 
And if you really experience that in your own body, if you truly experience that, that, you know, an emotion comes, an emotion that you don't want to feel comes, but also if you just sit with it, if you don't judge it, if you just sit with it and you just observe it by not putting any any judgment on it, by not putting anything on it, by not attaching yourself on it, by not trying to to not feel it, by trying to not pushing it away. If you're just observing it, you realize wow it as it is, like the this this is the present moment as it is. And emotions come and go. These are just energy emotion. And it was amazing because I had so much anxiety in my chest. I think for the first days I had anxiety. I think also on the first day I had a lot of anxiety because, um, you know, we had to focus so much on our breath. And I, I just felt anxious within me. Uh, and I was just like, am I doing the the technique right? And I was doubting myself. So um, I, I just created so much anxiety within me. And then on day four, um, I you actually have also the opportunity during lunchtime to see a teacher. So I, I was um, seeing a teacher and you, you can ask her questions. Um, or him, if it's a male teacher. Um, so I asked her a question and I said to her, um, you know, I feel so much anxiety in my chest. Um, but because I thought we, we were kind of not allowed to, you know, to stay with the emotions or I thought that we're not really allowed to... Um, to really feel the emotions. I thought we just recognize, okay, it's there, but then we move to the next sensation. Um, but then she said to me, no, these are coming up right now. These emotions are coming up for you right now so you can feel them because in your day-to-day -day life, you maybe not allow yourself to feel this anxiety. So um, what I did then in my next um, meditation time, I think it was in the afternoon, I was consciously allowing myself to feel all this anxiety in my chest. And amazing things happened because I allowed myself to let all my emotions come up, to, to cry, to let my tears run from my eyes. I allowed that. And... After a while, I noticed, well, the anxiety actually went away. So if you stay with it for long enough, it will go away eventually. And that's when the law of impermanence, this whole thing of, you know, everything changes, nothing is permanent, really, really clicked within me. And also what really clicked within me was acceptance. And I thought for a long, long time that I knew what it means to accept my feelings. I, I kind of, I thought what it feels like to accept, you know, and to, to say, yeah, I accept this, I accept this. But if you don't really experience it, if you don't really feel it, really, like the true acceptance in your own body, you don't actually know what it really is. 
and I came to this really big realization that was a really big aha moment that I think forever in my life I knew what acceptance is but only in the Vipassana retreat I really experienced it I really embodied it what acceptance really is and acceptance is when you're not trying to run away from your own emotions when you're not trying to run away from your own thoughts so you even allow to thoughts you allow your thoughts to come and you allow them to pass you don't put any judgment on them you you're really allowing yourself to to just be to be there in the present moment and to also not really attach yourself to the blissful moments and be sad about when they when they're gone because that can create misery in your own body as well if you attach yourself to all these peaceful moments to all these blissful moments and when they're gone you're like i'm missing something within me and i'm i'm just complete if i feel them within me again but no this is not acceptance total radical acceptance means that whatever there is right now present in your body you're accepting it you're not judging it you are there with it and that's what i've experienced in my Vipassana retreat. So true acceptance is when you don't react anymore to all these emotions, when you don't really react to the outside world anymore. And I came to this place where I I was non-reactive. I was not really attached to anything. Of course, during the 10 days, I was missing my partner so, so much. Um, I won't deny that. I was thinking about him every day. And it just came into my mind, you know, how grateful I am to have my partner in my life. And um, I think in general, I became really, I had so much humility in me. I developed so much humility within me and so much grace and just being so grateful for life and for really small little things. And... And most of the things that I learned in the Vipassana, I actually kept them as well. So I was a total different person after my Vipassana. And when I saw my partner again, he was like, oh, you're you're so calm. You're non-reactive. You're not complaining. Of course, um, the old habits, habit patterns of the mind sometimes coming back, you know, my mind is like trying to create stories. And I feel like it's a life long journey to really rewire your brain and come to the realization that we are not our mind we're not these toxic thoughts in our head and I'm I mean I was almost shocked when I went to the Vipassana on my day one I was shocked of how many toxic thoughts I actually have so I felt like the whole Vipassana was a purity of my mind um, it was so important to kind of clean my mind out and you know when I started to accept my anxiety especially um, beautiful st- things started to happen so I think it was on day five and day six where my heart really opened and I, I was already crying so much every day where you know I came to this place of like total surrender and it was just beautiful because I felt like I was filled with so 
so much bliss within me um and yeah it was it was just an amazing amazing experience and um if you ever have the chance to do a vipassana retreat i can only only recommend it as you can see i can talk hours about it um but yeah i'm slowly coming now to an end but yeah the conclusion for me is really True liberation is only experienced through the body. True fulfillment, true bliss and peace is only experienced inside of you. No one else outside of you can actually create this feeling for you. You create it within you. And if you purify your mind and the more you do it, the, the like happier you will live. Like the most happiest life you will live when you really decide, okay, I am becoming the person who is not controlled by my thoughts, by my mind, by my toxic mind. I'm taking the wheel back. My soul is taking the wheel back. And I'm taking my power back and the control of my own life. So I'm wishing this here for everyone. May you be well. May you be happy. May you feel truly, truly liberated within you, truly fulfilled within you. And I really, really wish that for whole humanity, that we come to this place of absolute harmony and oneness. <sighs> I'm sending you so much love. Let me know how you found this episode here i would love to know your insights after listening to this episode please let me know on instagram for example at renata sophia muller muller with ue um, or come have a look at my facebook um, you can write me a private message um, or my email renata sophia muller at gmail.com i will also put everything in the show notes and i will also put um a link in there where you can have a look if there's a vipassana center close to you and um, you can read more about it and yeah if you have any other questions please please ask don't hesitate i would love to know feedback and of course if you love listening to this podcast here i would love to receive a subscription that really helps with ranking and helping me to get more visible in front of other people and make a bigger impact so i would love to receive a subscription and a ranking a five star rank uh, five star review on itunes that would make me so so happy anyway you are a gift to this world it's so important that you exist sending you so much love you're renata sophia miller